Okay, welcome to the All Creation Podcast. I am truly excited to be talking with Reverend Reagan Sutterfield today. Reagan is an author, a former farmer. Is that right? Are you a former farmer? Yes. Um, an Iron Man and an Episcopalian priest, as well as a family man. And um, today we're going to be talking about our theme for the month of uh, March for our spring equinox issue, which is interconnectedness and his ideas about embodiment and creatureliness. And before we get started, I just want to give a little bit of background that I have on Reagan. Um, he's written three books that I'm aware of and, and chapters of books and, and multiple pamphlets. Uh, his most recent book is called Wendell Berry and the Given Life, uh, written in 2017. This book gets into the spiritual core of Wendell Berry's work. And um, I think most people that have read the book would agree that, that Reagan is a real authority on the, the overriding themes in Wendell Berry's uh, e extensive work. Uh, and, and so there's, that's probably not a conversation we're going to have today, but Reagan is one of the outstanding Wendell Berry scholars. His uh, 2015 book called This Is My Body is about a journey from obesity to Iron Man and the idea that living in, uh, in our faith means living in our bodies um, and that we are called to live with beauty, grace, and strength. Um, and then his 2013 book, Cultivating Reality, is the first time I became aware of this, uh, this term, humus beings, uh, which I hope we talk about today. And um, another one of the sort of review quotes here is that uh, Reagan wants to cure our rapacious apathy toward reality by infecting us with an agrarian mind. And I think to some degree that's that's a pretty um, a pretty good summary of what I know about you in terms of one of the great motivations for your work. But then I want to also mention this pamphlet that's still available on Amazon, but it's $100 to purchase this pamphlet, pamphlet on Amazon called Farming as a Spiritual Discipline. And one of the sort of takeaway summaries of this is the first sentence uh, in Reagan's description about what this pamphlet is, which is this idea that the problem with our role in creation is that we don't remember it. And, and I think that is an even better summary of kind of where Reagan is coming from. Um, so we'll get into a few things here in a moment. I wanna just share my personal experience with Reagan, which I first became aware of you, Reagan, back in, in 2009 at Peter Illen's Shouting for the Mountain event, which was this weekend up in West Virginia, gathering primarily of Christian college students. And they also let me in I mean, we went to Kayford Mountain and um, just learned about what was going on with mountaintop removal. And there were several very, very outstanding people that were part of the, the way that event was put together. But honestly, man, you made this lifelong impression on me just from the few minutes that you spoke. And you, you spoke, the, the part I heard of your presentation, you were talking about Sabbath and um, the idea that we need to slow down and become more attentive and pay more attention. Uh, and that learning to indoctrinate that into your weekly pattern, getting back into the more traditional idea of a seven day week, a Sabbath day or a Sabbath pattern in your life, allows space for you to appreciate what's in the creation around you. All of the little things, all of the big things, all of the things that you forgot you were taking for granted. I was blown away by this at the time and I have carried that with me now for 12 years, uh, just something that, you know, 
in the earliest time of your work that you were uh, really motivated by. So I want you to know that, first of all, that you have uh, changed at least one life in a very positive way, mine. Sort of the fundamental question is, what do things look like if we get it right? Mm. What, what is the future, you know, in, in your vision? How do you see, what, what do you want to see or what do you believe we need, you know? And so then what does that look like in daily life or, you know, in your church life? As a husband, a father, wherever you feel like you have a vision, how do you see the, the future and the, the best outcome? So how about I'll, I'll I'll stick to like the the smallest circle of 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 answering my house and and yard. So I, I earlier this year I read a, a book called um, Nature's Best Hope by Douglas Tallamy. He's a entomologist, and he argues for this idea he calls homegrown national park. And the idea is that okay since human beings have taken up so much land and taken over so much land, why don't we do something better with it than lawns and landscaping around buildings and things that, that actually oftentimes are to the detriment of, of the ecological places in which we are. So he's very against invasive or um, plants that are brought from other bioregions, he thinks that we do too much landscaping with species from Europe and Asia that have That's not co co-evolved with the landscape here. Um, you know, and we, you know, American uh, species cause the same problems in Asia and elsewhere. So it's it's, um, but there's been a lot of movement of, of various plants around. But as an entomologist, his his interest, of course, is insects, and most insects have this really close relationship with particular species of plants. So like the Gulf fritillary butterfly can only, its larva can only eat um, passion vine leaves. Um, and so if you don't have passion vine around, then you won't have Gulf fritillary butterflies. And, and you know, you can go on, there are all kinds of species that have very special relationships. So we've been losing a lot of our insects and if we lose insects, then we lose birds because chickadees need thousands of, of caterpillars a day to feed their young for, for one, you know, ha ha brood hatch. And so, so he says, what if we landscaped our, our yards in such a way that we provided good native spe tree species and plant species that provide home and habitat for insects? And and then that provides a home and habitat for birds and and then you know on up the the trophic cascade and you know that's what I'm trying to do in my in my place and you know I'm and I'm planting some species like pawpaws or um, elderberry that are great for birds but also great for people but they're native species that support very particular types of insect and bird life you know and I'm in a urban area, um, you know, I have a, it's kind of a small neighborhood with small yards, but I'm, I'm doing what I can to, to, to create a, a refuge, if you will, in this one little place that I can cultivate. And it takes all the time I have to give to it to, to do that work. And, you know, the other day I had like a 
dump truckload of mulch from a tree trimming service like dumped in my driveway and I spent like the better part of a day wheelbarrowing at various places to to mulch plants and after it even though it was tiring it was like this is this is good work this is uh, yeah the Saturdays when you can get out and mess with a shovel are really good days in my opinion yes yes so if everything was going right in 20 years this will be a place that is biologically diverse and rich with insect life and bird life and all of the other creatures that I am ignorant of that that come and visit my my place at night mostly and everyone else in my block will have looked at my yard and and adopted the same and and will be in, in the next block over and we'll be creating a corridor um that will provide even more significant habitat and I think that's a very that's Talamy's vision, and I think it's a very hopeful one. And it's one that churches can very much carry out in their own landscapes, too. And um, so that's both doable and hopeful possibility, I think. And you talk a lot about relationship in your works. Um, and and so this is, you know, in, in all of this, of course, is in the, the theme of interconnectedness to some degree is really a good, easy one in a conversation because everything is interconnected. Um, ultimately, so right. we, we can plug into that at any point, but in this case, it, it maybe is a little more uh, powerful or relevant that your, your work has consistently talked about relationship and being aware of the way you appreciate others, as well as being aware of how, um, just how we're all affect each other. Well, I think that so much of the discourse for those of us who are so um, troubled by the the ecological realities that you know we're we're in the midst of that um, there, there's this this crisis in the in the world that we love and the and, and there's there's this sense of urgency with that and, and that can make us feel like that the response has to be urgent that you know the action has to be now um, but but I think, so often we don't know what we need to be doing. We don't know what the action is. And I've, I've learned a lot of a lot from Paul Kingsnorth about this. His, his collection of essays, Confessions of a Recovering Environmentalist, really gets gets into this and, and the, the theme of withdrawal and, and waiting. And because we don't really know what we need to be doing at least on on grand scales, and and that's the scale that so much of the the contemporary environmental movement speaks on. But we can do things in small ways in 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 our in our particular neighborhoods in our particular yards, and that's where I think that the relationships can happen that 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 really can. I don't I don't want to even say affect change because I I, I think it's but but where we can become human in the in a proper way and and that's the best thing we can do is become human and to recover what the art of creatureliness that that Rowan Williams has said we're we're losing let's go to that a little more so this these ideas of embodiment and creatureliness and how that relates to your your current views and work and and this upcoming uh, workshop, I guess, in the spring. Sure. 
Yeah, so, um, well, I think that, you know, one of our problems, and, and it's and it's an old problem, is that we have avoided the reality that we are created beings and that we are creatures. And I think a lot of the human effort to dominate the rest of creation and um, exploit it in various ways is aimed at gaining both freedom from the kinds of limits and and suffering that happen just as a in the course of being a, a limited finite being you know we are animals that get sick and we are vulnerable to diseases and we get pathogens that that can can kill us and all of these are are just realities that are part of of being a um, an animal of being a a being that lives from a breath that um you know that the hebrew scriptures make no distinction between the animal breath of of a dog and the animal breath of a of a human being or you know it they all are in some way receiving this life from god and and we are sharing in that life so so we're very much creatures and i do think that you know there's a particular vocation for the human being and it but it's not to to dominate nature or to exploit it for our own ends it's to play a role as priest to to sort of offer the call to worship to play a role in, in the community you know and the priest is not the person who's in charge of the community it's just the person who's designated to to make the call to prayer and to to celebrate something on behalf of the community and and i think that's part of what the the human vocation is but at the same time so to, to go back to this this theme of of interconnection you know and and thinking about how our embodiment is is reflected in that being human and being a creature means that we are absolutely and totally entangled in the life of this world and you know i'm i'm fascinated by the the research that's been done on the human microbiome and that so much of our bodies are made just functional by all of these creatures that are not properly um, seven billion in the average human gut yes yes um and on our skin and our our lungs are you know and and we're so we're so deeply entangled with these other other creatures and that's and that's just our own bodies but um you know going out into the soil and i've been involved in this deep research into soil science and understanding soil ecology and there's such an amazing network of life going on all around us all the time and what we eat and how we live from the soil all of those things are so deeply connected and we but we don't pay attention to those things we try to to limit them and and separate ourselves from them and so we we create forms of agriculture that just see the soil as a medium through which we can apply, um, you know, three chemicals to a very limited number of crops. And so we have this reductionistic idea and that, and that really works only if you 
think of relationships as just you know a, a very tiny number of, of of creatures and and persons together rather than this vast reality of, of connection that that we're always a part of so now here we are and i find this area that you're talking about to connect to what's most illuminating and most mysterious in the same way that uh, a faith is or a religion is about the reality of being alive about the reality of existing you know and in the in the sense that we are uh, functioning at sort of multiple scales in mutualistic ways all the time and we come in that way and we go out that way and we move through that way and we survive because of that it's just wonderful it's the most amazing reality other than birth itself and and let me also ask you because i really do want to talk about this idea of human beings and it kind of fits in this context as well i mean first of all did you come up with that incredibly great terminology because it belongs in the canon of, of great <laughs> terminology um true. i mean it's it, you could draw this this idea out um biologically as well as through the sort of adama and and the, the religious stories sure sure I mean, well i don't know if i I came up. I, I I wouldn't want to take credit for it. Um, can you can you describe what humus is a little bit? Because a friend of mine asked me just last night if I was talking about you know Lebanese food. Oh no no, <laughs> um, yeah. So um, so humus is the the really rich life giving soil. It's the it's the kind of soil that you find on a on a healthy forest floor if you dig dig back the the leaf matter and. There's actually a, a, a significant amount of humic acid in 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 good humus, and that's a, a favored food of, of fungi. So, but it's, it's, it's the decaying organic matter of of all of these creatures that have turned into this this soil. And I've always been fascinated with the etymology of words and just the idea that in Hebrew, the Adam the the human being, uh, not the proper name Adam, but the the human being is yeah. drawn from the, as you said, that um, Adama, and within that there's this, the the Adama, there, there are different words in in Hebrew for soil. There's the the apar, um, which is the dust, and it's the what soil soil scientists make this distinction between soil and dirt. Dirt is just inert mineral um you know matter like it's it's clay and silt and sand but there's no life in it and there's no life that really can come from it and by uh, life I mean microbial to fungal organisms fungal yes or even, but even plants i mean really plants can't make much use of dirt right. i mean some weeds can and we need we need those weeds because they help convert it into soil but but the Hebrews understood this. I mean, they were agricultural people, so they had this sense of the apar, the dust, the dirt, which is not life-giving, and then the adama, which is the humus soil. And they draw their word for the human as being, you know, from the soil. But English has the same root with the human. It is etymologically drawn from the word for humus, soil. And so by by referring to the humus being um, in some of my work, I, I'm just trying to sort of make that hidden etymological link a little more apparent. Because I think we need to understand that our lives are very much drawn from and dependent upon the soil. And 
you know, if you were born of your parents, your body was made from the soil and the sun, <laughs> essentially, yeah. and the the ability of plants to 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 draw carbon from the atmosphere and to and to to build themselves. But then, you know, our parents either ate plants or animals that ate plants that that and and all of it's coming from the soil and and that's that's what our bodies are are drawn from and then that's our bodies continue to grow from it but when we don't pay attention to that relationship then we can easily lose our sense of interconnectedness with the soil and support systems that just exploit and and abuse the soil because we're we're losing I'm really inspired by your work and your walk and, and, uh, you know, I hope you keep going and, and keep leading us, uh, forward. And this has been great as a way to finally get to talk to you. So thank you very much. Well, thank, thanks so much for your, your kind words, Chris, and, and, and for all of the, the good work that you're doing too.